Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. You can calm down. He said I could come. Amen. I do that. Where's Henry? Is Henry in here? Henry. Where's he at? Oh, oh he went. Oh, okay. Um, so I got this wonderful picture this morning from Henry. And I want to use it as, as a reminder to thank every one of our veterans who have served this great nation. It says, Happy Veterans Day, Pastor Greg. Love, Henry. And it's a picture of a robot. I told him, I said, am I a robot? I have to, I have to preach like a robot today. And uh, he just smiled. So let me ask this. If you have served this nation, I know this is a little different, but uh, I just felt led to do that, to say thank you to you. Would you stand up and let us thank you for your service to our country? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we are very, very blessed in this country, and I, I pray that we never, ever take it for granted. Amen? Uh, if you are here today, first of all, I, I would be remiss. Uh, there are men in our midst who have served in the pastorate uh, and, and really have been an encouragement to me, and I don't know uh, where Brother Herb went, but I know uh, Brother Barton is here, and Brother Gary, if you have served, and in, in our staff, pastors and, and whatnot on our staff, uh, and in fact, all of our staff and these men of God who have served in Patrick, would you stand and let us recognize your service for the Lord? Chad, I know as well. Absolutely. Travis and Larry, yes, sir. Brother Ken. What, what, a, what, a, what a wonderful privilege it is to serve the Lord. If you have your Bible this morning, and I pray that you do, turn with me. Very familiar story. We're going to look at it from a different perspective this morning. But I want us to look at Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 in the precious Word of God. And uh, when you get there, I'm going to ask that we do something. We do this every once in a while. But uh, I think today would be a great day if you would stand. I want to read from God's Word, just a few short verses. I won't, I won't keep you standing long, but in honor of God's Word, let's stand. Look with me in verse number 17. Verse number 17 and following, and the Bible says, And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought... Uh, in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy, that they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling 
with his couch into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say rise up and walk, but that ye may know the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, As I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thy house. And immediately he rose up before them and took, uh, took up that whereon he lay and departed into his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the strange things that you do for the miraculous things that you do, for the amazing grace that you have bestowed, that you have granted each and every one who will call upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin. God, we thank you. We thank you for the fact that you have all power in heaven and earth. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for what you have done in this, in this place for over 42 years. We thank you for those who have gone before and those who will come behind us. God, help us to be found faithful. God, help us to be committed, concerned, and caring enough to tell our friends about Jesus. Lord, I pray that today, if there's somebody in our midst, somebody watching online that does not have a relationship with you just yet through your son, God, I pray that today that you will open up the eyes of our understanding, God, that your, that your word would fall upon the good soil, their hearts, that they might find forgiveness of sin and life everlasting today. And Lord, for the, for the believer who's struggling with something, Lord, I pray that you will work a work in their midst and our midst as well. Lord, we give you the praise, we give you the honor for what you'll do, and we pray this in the precious name of our Savior and your Son, and for his sake, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I appreciate you doing that for us. As we begin this morning, um, I've entitled the message, Be a Friend. You know, being a friend can take a lot of different turns. Do you know that? And so I want to encourage you today, think about what's going on in our text. And I wonder if you might say, am I where I need to be? Am I doing what I need to be to do to be a good friend? And as this passage begins, if you look with me, uh, we know from Mark's gospel that Jesus has just returned to this area of Capernaum and he's been traveling all throughout Galilee and he's been teaching and preaching the word of God. And uh, after he heals a leper, if you look over Mark's gospel, he heals a leper in Mark chapter 1 and, and uh, he tells the leper, he says, now listen, shh, don't tell anybody. He says, go and show yourself to the priest and offer those things that Moses has commanded. And, uh, but as you can imagine, if you were a leper, if you were lame, if you were... Uh, had some infirmity, and Jesus heals you, it's hard to keep quiet, isn't it? Has the Lord ever worked in your life? Somebody say amen. amen. It's hard to keep quiet. And so the, Jesus tells the guy, he says, hey, don't tell anybody. But as fate were have it, he goes off and he tells everybody. And, 
And the reality is, if you look at Mark's gospel, Jesus, they're, they're coming from all over Galilee. And so Jesus, the Bible says he tries to get away into desert places. And yet now he's back in Capernaum, presumably back at the house of Peter and Andrew, which would have been a familiar place for him. And he's preaching and teaching. And the reality is, as soon as word gets out that Jesus is in Warrington, everybody shows up. No. Word got out that he was back in Capernaum. Throughout the whole region, people come. The Bible says Pharisees and teachers of the law, doctors of the law, they all come. And they want to hear what Jesus has to say as he's preaching and teaching. And if you look at verse number 17 of our text, right away, it's pretty important for us to see this. The Bible says that the power of the Lord was present to heal. Now, this wasn't an announcement that was made. It wasn't like they were like, the power of the Lord to heal. That's not what was taking place. But it's a pretty important thing for you and I to pay attention to. You see, because up to this point, nobody has been healed. Now, we know from Mark's gospel that a leper's been healed and everybody seeks to find Jesus. But at this point, he's back in Capernaum and nobody's being healed. We don't know. Maybe there's nobody in the crowd that's sick. Maybe there's nobody who believes that Jesus could heal. Maybe they've heard the rumors, but they, have, they don't have the faith to believe. All we know is scripture says that the power to heal was present. Why? Because Jesus was present. And right away, that's a wonderful thing. Because the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, you say, where are you going with? The Bible says, where there are two or three gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And so the reality is, as we gather today in the precious, in the wonderful, in the mighty, in the powerful name of Jesus, he is present, amen? And so guess what? The good news is if we have gathered in his name and we know that he's present, then the good news is that you and I can be confident that the power to heal is also in this place today, amen? Woo. Anybody need some healing? Our country needs healing. I'm guessing we could use a dose of healing. By the way, if you're here and you've come because a friend asked you to come today, can I just say thank you? Can I say thank you for coming? Some of you came, you may have gotten a card from me. I want to tell you thank you. I want to tell you guys thank you for coming today to be in this place. But maybe you're here, or maybe you're watching online, and you've yet to experience that healing power. That, that, that Jesus had, and, and you've yet to deal with the greatest need of all. The reality is there's no time like the present. In fact, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse number 2, the Bible says that now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I got good news for you. If you've not rendered into a relationship with Jesus already, there's no time like the present. Amen. And the power to heal is present because we've gathered together in his name. Isn't that good? I don't know. That's good to me. Romans 10 in verse number 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the great news is the same power that was present to heal in Capernaum is present today to heal and work in this place. And maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, and you've already trusted Christ. You say, hey, pastor, this is not a message for me. No, this is a message for you. Maybe you have a relationship with Jesus. Let's just be honest. 
Let's be honest for once in our life with ourselves and with our Lord above. Let's be honest. Maybe you're facing something now. Maybe you're going through a spiritual crisis. Maybe you're dealing with a physical crisis of some sort, a financial or a work-related crisis, family crisis. By the way, who doesn't deal with family crises on occasion? Anybody? Anybody ever have a family issue? Just wait till Thanksgiving. When all you people get together with your family and y'all start arguing over, over crazy things, I'm going to encourage you, just keep your eyes on Jesus. You know what? Oh, listen, don't let this world take you down. The reality is the, that the ongoing power to heal, Jesus' presence is in this place and his power to heal, his power to do things is available to you and to me today. Whatever your need is, he is more than enough to meet your need. Amen. But let's, I digress. Let's look at our text. Because look at verse number 18. The Bible tells us that a group of men actually bring a man. He, they bring this bed and a man which was taken to the palsy. Now, if you go over to Mark's gospel, you find out that there's four guys. So there's, there's this guy and he's on a, on a pallet or a couch, if you please. And Mark's gospel in Mark chapter 2 and verse number 3 says that he was born or carried of four. Now, you and I could quibble about the semantics of the text throughout the gospel uh, stories in this, in this account. But the fact is, Scripture never says that these four men are friends. But I got news for you. I'm going to declare it. They were friends. Because I, I, I just, I, it's hard for me to understand. It's hard for them to believe that they would go to all the trouble that they went to if they didn't have a friendship with this gentleman. Now, you say, well, I've read the story of the Good Samaritan. That's a very different story. We're talking about someone who's laying in a ditch and, and, and the priest and the Levite go by and they do nothing and then the Samaritan comes and heals him and, and puts in uh, salve and on and on and he carries him to the inn and he pays the freight for the innkeeper to take care of him. That's a very different story. The reality is that this story tells us that these guys took the time, they went to the trouble to go to this guy's home, to load him up and to carry him, to carry him to Jesus so that he might find healing. By the way, something that's kind of interesting, do you know that none of the gospel accounts of this story, they never mention the names of these men. Only, only what they do. You see, they understood and they knew that their friend was sick, they understood that he was paralyzed, and they knew that he was in need of real healing. And you and I aren't told all the details about his illness. And you can go look in all the different versions of this. You're not going to find out the details. You don't know how long he's been sick. We don't know what caused it. We're not going to make a statement, a bold statement to say, oh, he was, he was, uh, he was sick because uh, of, of sin or whatnot. Hey, we don't know why he was uh, sick at this point. We don't know what caused it, and we don't know... By the way, we don't know if this guy was close to passing away. We just don't know. All we know is that he's sick, he cannot walk, and he was, and here's another thing, I was thinking about this yesterday. We don't know if he's the one who dialed his friends up and said, hey, I heard Jesus is in town, can you take me to Jesus? We don't know if he called his friends or if his friends said, guess what, Jesus is in town, we got to get him to Jesus. We don't know what the situation is, but we know that these four men were concerned enough and they cared enough to get this man to the only one that they believed could take care of his problem. 
Can I just stop and say that's what friendship's all about? When we care enough about someone to do whatever we can do to get them to the point of where they can receive the greatest gift of all. And that's the gift of forgiveness and healing through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's what being a friend is all about. Obviously, someone knew or had seen Jesus in Capernaum. They believed that Jesus could help these friends. They believed he could help at some point, and therefore they decide to do something. Now, if you look back at verse 7, we, typically what we do is we assume that this guy is a local guy from Capernaum. But I digress. I don't even think that we could make that bold statement. Because verse number 17 says, There came out Pharisees and doctors of the law all over Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And so that whole region, if you look at a map of where Capernaum is and where Jerusalem is, it's not a short jaunt. And yet people made the trip because they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. And so we don't even know. We don't know if his home of, uh, of record for my military friends, we don't know if his home of record was Capernaum. All we know he said, his friends, bring him to Jesus. But if you look at verse number 19, by the time his four friends get him there, verse number 19 reveals that there's a massive crowd. And so the friends who are committed, the friends who are concerned, the friends who care enough about this man, they have to get a little creative. And in that time, the house rooftop would have been a flat and there probably would have been a set of stairs on the side. And so here's what they do, you know, as they're carrying their friends, they go up onto the rooftop. Many people are like, how did they get him up there? They carried him up there. They figured out a way to get him to the rooftop. But they get him to the rooftop and they rip up the tiling. Now, tiling at this point in time would have been like a hard, crusty mud. And I don't find anywhere where it says they were carrying shovels. You get the picture? So they get their friend up on the roof, and yet then they find this hard, crusty mud, straw, and all kind of matter that has made this roof secure for the home of Peter and Andrew, presumably. And here's what they do. They begin to dig through that hard, crusty mud. And why are they digging? They're digging because their friend is in need to see Jesus. And so they get through the mud. They're up on the rooftop, and then the Bible tells us that they lower their friend down to see Jesus, and instead of giving up, it's a beautiful picture of persistence. The friends get to the door, they're like, no, we can't get him in there. They look around, we can't get him there. How are we gonna get him? You know what they could have done? They could have said, hey man, good try. We'll come back next time Jesus is in town. We'll come back next, we'll come back, we'll come back in a couple of months. Maybe he'll be traveling back through this way, and maybe we can get his attention. Maybe we can get a home visit. Maybe, maybe, maybe we can figure out some way to get you near Jesus. We, you see the crowd? There's just no way. They could have given up, but they don't give up. They persist because they're concerned about their friend. You see, the men had faith, and these men actually believed that Jesus was the only one who had power to heal their friend. They were committed. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 17, the Bible says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Amos chapter 5 and verse number 6, the Bible says, Seek the Lord and you shall live. Man, I don't know about you, but I love living the abundant life that Jesus Christ has given me. Hey, can I tell you that sometimes living the abundant life is like this? You ever been down in the valley? Some of you know I'm just getting over pneumonia. This is only the second Sunday that I've preached since having pneumonia. But man, God is good, amen? 
I'm ready to do a happy dance again. I can breathe. Ah, thank you, Jesus. The road, can I just say this? The road that you and I may have to travel can be difficult at times. Anybody ever been down Difficult Avenue? Anyone, any, anyone been down Discouragement Street? Disappointment Boulevard? You ever spend any time on those roads? But there's a way that seems right unto man, and the ways thereof are the ways of death. You see, God has a plan for each and every one of us. The road we travel can be difficult, but we must keep pressing on. We must keep moving forward, no matter what the load, no matter what the burden is, no matter what we must bear in this life with Jesus Christ. I know that this is not the end. It's only the beginning. Do you know whether you get excited about it or not? And I'm not even real sure my wife's excited. I will never cease to exist. You ain't ever getting rid of me. You're like, dag on it. Mm. Man, the Bible, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I'm headed for heaven and I can't help it. Woo, what a glorious God we serve, amen? Oh, Jesus, what a Savior. Oh, listen, the road, this burden, this life that we live, it can be difficult, it can be discouraging, it can be depressing, quite honestly, at times. My Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh, listen, I'm moving on up, and I want you to go with me, amen? Oh, yes. These four friends were confident that Jesus could do what no one else could do, like that thief on the cross. Look at verse number 20. If you're a note taker, I want you to notice just a couple of things, and then we finish. Number one, faith was seen. In verse number 20, the Bible says, and when he, speaking of Jesus, when he saw their faith. Now, we typically make an assumption that I'm going to debunk here in just a minute. He says, when they saw their faith, he said unto him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now, you may be thinking, Jesus saw their faith. Pastor, I thought Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 said that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You're right, it is. Well, then how can faith be seen? Well, Jesus is Jesus, and he sees uh, beyond the way that you and I see. And like last week, we were talking about courage, and we were talking about uh, David and Goliath. And you remember, I was telling you the story when, when Saul had messed up, and, and God sent Samuel down to Jesse's house, right? And here comes, here comes Eliab. He comes strutting out, and, and, and Samuel looks at him, and he says, Oh, yeah, he must be the next king. Look at him. He's, he's big. He's tall. He's strong. He's looking great. And God says, Listen, no, he's not the next king. He says, because Sam, you, you, got, you got a problem. You see things the way that man sees things. But I look on the heart, not the outward appearance. And so same thing is taking place here. Oh, listen, Jesus sees their faith. How could he see their faith? Well, James actually clears up the matter in James chapter 2. In verse 17 and 18, he says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Listen, if you say you have faith, then I'm going to be able to see it at some point. Uh-oh. If you say that you are connected to the creator of this universe, 
I'm going to be able to tell that you're connected to the creator of the universe by what you think, by what you say, and what you do. And Jesus saw their faith. See, this is what he sees. So now look, it says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Oh, listen, we, you, you and I, we, we don't think like Jesus thinks, right? His thoughts and his ways are higher than our thoughts and ways. But if we see somebody who says they have faith, there's going to be some evidence of that faith, if you please. The reality is Jesus is actually able to see faith even if you have baby faith or little faith. Pastor, I, you know, I, I've tried exercising faith, but most of the time I operate by sight. Join the rest of the human race. I don't think many people exercise a lot of faith. We make decisions based on what we think we can do. I have a job, I make X amount of dollars, so I know that I have entertainment fund. I know that I pay my bills. I hope you pay your bills. I, 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 and, and, and sometimes I'll give a little to the Lord, you know, and all those things. We, we make decisions based on what we think and what we see. But Jesus says if we have little faith, like he told his disciples in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, he says, even if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, he says, if you have that type of faith, then you're actually going to be able to say unto this mountain, remove hence there to yonder place, and it shall remove, because nothing shall be impossible to you, even if you have little, eeny, teeny, tiny baby faith. You want to know why Jesus said that? Now I'm going to burst some bubbles, and I know there's a book out there that is entitled, Now I Just Saw it, Faith That Can Move Mountains. Sir, ma'am, Young person, it's the God of our faith who moves the mountains. It ain't, see, we, we have a danger that takes place. We, if we misconstrue that, oh, look at my faith. I moved the mountain. No, you didn't move anything. You didn't move a thing. Only Jesus moves the mountains. And so these friends were confident. They cared enough. They were concerned. They were committed. They were creative. And they get their friend to Jesus. Why? Because they believe that Jesus is the only one, the only one who has the power to heal. Can I tell you? He's the only one today that has the power to heal. Oh, yes, Jesus saw their faith that resided in the heart of the friends, the, the people who were listening. They see the evidence of their faith. They're like, can you imagine they're in the house, and these guys start digging up the, the, the crusty mud, and their straw. It's, it, guys, it's not that solid of a structure. Do you think that some of that dust started to fall down on their heads? They're probably like, what's, what's going on up there? And then all of a sudden, it opens up, and these guys, I, got, so I'm trying to figure out where did they get the pulley system? Because I hear nothing about the pulley system. I hear nothing about a chain system where they, it just says they lowered their friend down to Jesus. Oh, listen, even the sick man, even the sick man saw and was, was encouraged by the faith of his friends. But what about the faith of the paralyzed man, you say? Oh, did he have any faith? I want to uh, tell you, I believe, yes, he did. I believe he had faith. Look at verse 20. It says, and when he, Jesus, saw their faith, right? And so 
Who knows when it happened? Maybe this guy had faith all along. Or maybe when he saw his friends were committed, concerned, caring, and creative enough to get them to Jesus, maybe he says, you know what? They believe. I believe. You say, what are you saying? I believe there's a great importance for us as friends to be, how can I put it, contagious. If you're exercising faith, your friends are going to start to see that. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As you're sharing the word of God, the spirit of God is going to move. And as they see your faith, I believe faith can be contagious. So I'm not sure when it happened, but I believe he had faith. Listen to how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 1 and verse 11 and 12. He says, for I long to see you. He says, that I may impart unto you the same spiritual gift to the end that you may be edified or strengthened. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by, what does he say? The mutual faith, both of you and me. Paul says, hey, we're going to be strengthened. We're going to be encouraged. We're going to be readied for battle as we encourage one another with our mutual faith. The bottom line is faith is more than just a saying. A lot of people say, I have faith. Well, then it's going to be evidenced. It's more than just a saying or adhering to a certain set of beliefs or rules. Faith is actually going to be seen just like, I dare say, the evidences of true friendship. You may be here and maybe you invited a friend. I want you to look at the screen. Here are some evidences. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but some evidences of true friendship. And I don't know, do we have that slide? No, we do not have the slide, so I'm going to read it to you. Amen, right? Here it is. Friends actually rejoice with their friends. When things are going good for your friend, we don't get jealous. We rejoice with our friends. Friends weep with their friends who weep. When you have a friend that's going through the midst of of the valley of the shadow of death, you get down and you do what you have to do to be there to encourage your friends. And, and if you're like Job's friends, you're probably better off sometimes just keeping your mouth quiet. Job's friends were doing a great job until they started talking. It's like, bro, could you just... Okay, thank you. I love you, man. Could you just... Sometimes, you know, being a real friend is just coming alongside. Philip, just coming alongside and sitting with a friend who is in need, a friend who is weeping, a friend who is going through something in their life, and they're looking for real friendship. That's what friends do. Friends rejoice with their friends who rejoice, and they weep with their friends who weep. Friends work for the good of their friends. Listen, having this mind, uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians 2, 5, right? If I'm going to have the mind of Christ, i got to get into the mind of Christ, the Word of God. But guess what? If I have the mind of Christ, then I'm going to treat people like Jesus treated people. So I'm going to work for the good of my friends. Here's another one. Friends celebrate, they advocate, and when it's right, stay with me, and when it's right, they defend their friends. Friends encourage their friends. Friends, here's one that we don't like, but friends call out their friends when they know their friends aren't doing right. Uh-oh. Like, uh, Pastor, could we remove that from the list? We'd like, to take, we'd like to take a vote and remove that one from the list. You know what? Friends sometimes have to tell us when we're not doing right. Because we care. Here's another one. Friends 
Also forgive their friends, just as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven them. Do you know what happens in a lot of friendships? Everything's going hunky-dory, and then some little rift comes. They used to be my friend. The moment you utter that thought or that word, you've told me all I need to know about your friendship. Now, that's a hard thought. That's a, that's a difficult thing. But maybe today on Friend Day, if nothing else, maybe the Lord would use this simple list to encourage us. Maybe there's a friend we need to reach out to after service. Maybe there's somebody that we would say, you know what? Man, I care about you. And I want you to know that I forgive you. Just as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Oh yes, faith was seen. But also look at verse 20. Faith was rewarded. Jesus said, man, thy sins be forgiven. Um, wait a second, Jesus. We didn't actually bring our friend here for you to forgive sins. We actually brought our friend here because he's sick. He's, he's, can you not see? He's paralyzed. We need you to be a medical doctor in this moment, Jesus. Oh, but what a beautiful thing. You see, because they wanted him to be physically healed, but Jesus looked to the greatest need that this man had, and that was spiritual healing. You know, sometimes we go through physical trials. And we pray and we pray and we pray for somebody to be healed. And yet sometimes probably the prayer that we need to be asking is, Jesus, whatever you need to do, heal them spiritually first and then take up the physical healing, just as we see that he did in this case. Oh, listen, before addressing the fact that he's paralyzed or sick or even possibly facing physical death, Jesus deals with this spiritual problem that every one of us had. You know, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. It's not a, the first half of that verse is not something we like to hear, right? You didn't have to tell me I'm a sinner. I mean, listen, I'm married. I know this, Right? But the last part says, but the gift of God. Oh, see, Jesus doesn't leave us without a way. See, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, we live in the physical realm, but we also live and we will live forever. As I said, I'm headed for heaven and I can't help it. We will live forever in the spiritual realm. So why would we want to waste? Why would we want to waste our here and now? when we could be living the abundant life without a regard for then and there. See, a lot of times what we do is we waste our time worrying about the here and now instead of understanding that the here and now is going to come to an end. And it'll be a question of what is then and there going to be like. Well, listen, these friends, they exercise faith. This man, I believe, has faith. And so Jesus sees their faith, and he rewards their faith. Uh, Psalm 86, 5 says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. That's just like Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But if you go and you drop down in Psalm 86, when you get down to verse number 15, the same passage, the Bible reminds us that our Lord is a God full of compassion, that he's gracious, that he's long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. But can I tell you, when God starts working, there's always going to be somebody. There's always going to be somebody to try to tear you down. There's always going to be somebody that's not happy with it. And that's exactly what takes place in our passage. Look at verse 21. Because in verse 21, 
the Bible says that these guys, their feathers are ruffled. They get their feathers ruffled. And it says, and the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? In other words, they're saying, who does this guy think he is? Nobody can heal. Nobody can forgive sins except for God. And the reality is Jesus knows exactly what is on their heart. By the way, it's kind of a scary thought. If he knows what was on their heart then, you picking up what I'm laying down? If he has the power to know what was on their heart and what they were thinking about then, he knows what you're thinking right now. And he knows where your heart is right now. And so he asked the angry mob. <laughs> he asked the angry mob a question. Look, look at verse 23. See, remember, they've concluded that Jesus is a blasphemer. By the way, a blasphemer is someone who speaks contempt about God or claims to be God or is irreverent towards God. And so they've claimed that he's a blasphemer because only God could forgive sins. The sad thing is that Pharisees and these doctors of the law always seem to care more about their religiosity and their theology more than they did people. But I'm thankful that Jesus cared for people. Notice verse 23, he essentially asks them, he says, well guys, I see what's going on in your heart. Would it be easier for me to say thy sins be forgiven or would you prefer I told this guy to get up and walk? What is it that you want? See, because listen, the reality is if I say thy sins be forgiven, you can't see that. And so you either believe or you don't believe. But if I tell this guy to get up and walk, you're going to be able to see that. So he asked them this question. He says, would it be easier for me to do that? And so in verse number 24, he goes on by saying, but that ye may know the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy couch and go into thy house. Hold on. You're already been healed spiritually, but now I'm healing you physically. Get up and go home. Can you imagine this guy thinking about, first of all, they lower him in front of Jesus. Jesus says, thy sins be forgiven. He's, he's like, what? And the friends are like, hey, hey, we brought him here for you to heal him physically. And Jesus says, I already healed you spiritually. Now I'm healing you physically. Get up and go home. Look at verse 25 and 26. And immediately he rose up before them and took up whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were amazed and they glorified God. And they were filled with fear saying, we have seen strange things today. Folks, these four friends, I can tell you they were friends because they cared, they were concerned, they were committed, they were creative, and they took their friend and they got him to Jesus. They moved into action. You see, if I'm a real friend, it moves me into action. Can I tell you this? I'm blessed to have some real friends here at this church. Do you know, when I was battling pneumonia, I looked out, and there were friends at my house taking care of stuff that I couldn't take care of. I didn't call them. I don't, I don't, I don't know if my wife called them, you know. I don't know if there was a bug put in their ear, but there were friends doing things that I couldn't do. Uh, you talk about being humbled. When somebody comes over and does something that you know that you're not able to do physically, you're not in a place where you can do it, and they just show up and do it. That's what it was all about. These friends moved into, into action. They brought this man before Jesus, and Jesus saw their faith, and then he rewards their faith. Now, I 
titled this message, and I'm wrapping it up. I titled this message, Be a Friend. Because quite honestly, talk is cheap. There it is. I said it, talk is cheap. We can talk about being someone's friend all we want. But until that friendship causes us to move into action, what kind of friendship is it really? Talk is cheap. Oh, listen, talking about our faith is one thing. Exercising faith is another thing. And so listen, be a friend. Move into action. Also, if we're going to be a friend, here's what I know. Obstacles cannot slow us down. It doesn't matter how many people were at the house. It didn't matter that the door was blocked. It didn't matter what the weather is. See, we don't even know what the weather is. We don't know what was going on. But what we do know is that these friends cared enough to get this man to Jesus. And so, listen, you and I, if we're going to be a friend of Jesus's, not a friend of the world, but if we're going to be a friend of Jesus's, we're going to do whatever it takes. We're not going to allow obstacles to get in our way. We're going to carry the love and the truth of Jesus to everyone that we can while we can. Oh, my friends, it's so important to be a friend. Maybe you're facing an obstacle today. Maybe, you know, the friends, you think about the obstacles they had carrying their friend. I don't know how much this guy weighed. I don't know how far they had to carry him. All the obstacles that they faced, they turned obstacles into opportunity. And so I don't know what obstacle you might be facing today. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a, shh, it's a sin. Maybe it's a person. You know, sometimes people can be obstacles. Maybe it's an inappropriate relationship that is standing in your way. Maybe it's a love of something that you really ought to give up. You know, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things are going to be added to you anyway. Put Jesus first. Oh, listen, don't let obstacles get in your way of understanding and, and appropriating and experiencing the healing power of Christ. Maybe there's an obstacle keeping you from spending time in God's word. Maybe there's some obstacle that you've allowed to get in your way of an ongoing, thriving prayer life. Maybe, maybe you've allowed the obstacle of our current day climate, of everything that we seem to be facing since 2020 to get in the way of being a part of a Sunday morning Bible study or in worship or maybe uh, getting your kids involved in children's ministry and, and, and youth ministry and Awana and upward basketball and on and on. I don't know what it is, but I do know that opportunity awaits. Don't allow obstacles to get in your way. Look at verse 17. It says, The power of the Lord was present in the house where all the people were gathered. Folks, the power of the Lord is present here today. And here's the reality. James chapter 4 reminds us that our life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. Proverbs 27 and verse number 1 says that we're not to boast thyself for tomorrow. For we don't know what tomorrow will bring. You know what? The only thing I know about tomorrow is that the Washington Commanders will lose to the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. If, put it this way. If they play football, it ain't going to be pretty. But I don't know what will happen today. 
you know the Lord could call me home today. I could step out of, of behind this pulpit and the Lord could say, you know what? Well done, that good and faithful service. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He could call me home. Just like that. I have no blank check on tomorrow and neither do you. Can I tell you? Jesus is the greatest friend you or I could ever have. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's a friend who has said he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's a friend that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I'm asking you, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you. Even if it's small faith, Jesus can use that. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. Can I beg you? Can I tell you that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life? Can I tell you that he actually proved that love by dying on the cross in our place? Would, if you've not trusted Christ ever, if you've never entered into the greatest relationship of all, would you do me a favor? Would you say, Pastor, I'll exercise baby faith. Because Jesus said if you have that type of faith, you can move some mountains. Maybe you're here and you know Jesus, but you're dealing with obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. You're struggling, and you don't want to admit it. But can I tell you, just like he knew what was going on in their hearts, he knows what's going on in yours today. He wants you to exercise a little baby faith as well. And let him move the mountain. It's not up, it, hey, listen, I'm not a mountain mover, Jesus is. Let him do the hard work. Let him do the heavy lifting. He says we can cast our care on him because he cares for us. So today, if you're a believer, I'm asking you to be a friend. Right? If you're here today and you've not trusted Christ, I'm asking you to gain a friend by putting your faith and your trust and your confidence in the risen Savior of the world. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your head and pray with me? You may be here and you say, Pastor, I didn't, I didn't move. I didn't, I didn't make any motions, but I'm here today. And I've never really called out upon the name of the Lord. I may have heard about Jesus. I may have played church at, at one time. But I've never called out on Christ for the forgiveness of my own sins not relying on his relationship with my parents or my grandparents or my brother or my sister or my kids, but I've never called out and asked him to be my savior. Can I tell you that if that's you this morning, if you have that desire, if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and you have that burning desire in your heart to know him, the word of God has been preached, the spirit of God is moving in your heart, would you simply by faith call out on him? And can I tell you, it's not about a mystical, magical set of words, but would you just maybe quietly say a prayer like this unto yourself? Just something simple as, Jesus, I realize that I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me of my sin? Nobody had to tell me I was a sinner, but I'm asking you to forgive me today of my sin. I've never done that, but I'm asking you right now to forgive me of my sin and to come into my life and to begin to change me from the inside out. Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. 
the risen Savior of the world. And so, Jesus, help me. Help me from this day forward to live in a way that brings you honor and brings you glory. I'm turning, turning away from how I used to live, and I'm turning to you, and I'm asking you to do what only you can do. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for saving my soul. Now, if you meant business with the Lord, and that was your prayer, would you just look at me, grab my attention, say, I, I meant that. I asked the Lord to forgive me today and to come in to my heart. Just grab my attention. I'm not going to point you out or embarrass you. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Somebody else. Somebody say, I see you, ma'am. God bless you. Somebody else, as I'm making my way across, say, I bless your heart, young lady. Bless your heart. Somebody else. Say, I, I meant it from the bottom of my heart. I ask the Lord to forgive me today. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Maybe you're here and you know Christ as your Savior, but you'd honestly say, Pastor, I'm battling. I'm battling some obstacles. Would you pray that the Lord would give me the strength to turn those obstacles into opportunity? That I might not only rely on the greatest friend I have, but that I would be a better friend to those that he's placed in my path in this life. That I would be more committed to sharing the love and the truth of Jesus with them while he gives me breath. If that's your desire, you say, Pastor, would you pray for me that the Lord would strengthen me in the days ahead? Would you just look at me as a testimony of that prayer? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. Bless your hearts. Grab my attention. I want to be, I want to be a friend like these men were friends. I want to draw, I want to draw closer to the greatest friend. My friend of Jesus, I see you. God bless you. God bless you. Other, I see you, young ladies. I see you. I see you. Bless your heart. Others say, I want to be a better friend. Would you pray for me? Bless your heart. Praying for you. I know you're getting ready to start a new adventure and a new job. Somebody else, I see you, brother. I want to be a better friend. I want to trust Jesus more. I see you, sir. I want to trust Jesus more. I want to live more for him than I do for myself. I want to put him first. Oh, Lord, you've seen the hearts. You've seen the desires of your people this morning. And Lord, we know that it's only because of you. It's not because I preached a message. It's not because of anything other than your word and the Holy Spirit of God moving in this place. You have told us that when we gather in your presence, you are with us. I'm so thankful for your healing power. I'm thankful for the fact that you move mountains. God, I thank you for the time that we've had in your word. I pray that now as we sing a song of invitation, God, if there's anything that we need to do, we open up the altar as a time of invitation. If, if you need to pray with your friend or maybe you want to come and praise God for something he's done in your life, I pray that you'll come and make use of this opportunity. As the singers begin to sing, let's use this time to glorify God through our prayers and our praises. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we praise your holy name. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray and for his sake, amen and amen.